Thanks, mate. That's lovely. I, I have to say, I, uh, my routine on a Sunday morning, when, particularly when I'm preaching, is to blast praise and worship down my ears. I get the best worship I can, and I put that on, and if you said to me, what's your favorite song, I wouldn't be able to tell you that, because it's always changing. Some people will say, oh yeah, that's my favorite song, and it's like, it's just one song that, you know, I'm not about worship songs, really. I heard someone asking this question a while ago. Um, if you ask me, I couldn't really tell you, because it just changes all the time. It's, I would say it's what God's speaking to me at the moment, but... I think our worship, I was literally, I was listening to Hillsong, so a global church, professional, you name it, you can call on the best musicians around the world, and I'm listening to this, and I think our worship's as good. I genuinely do think our worship, I sat there in the rehearsal and I thought, that is no different to what we've got here, so I'm, I'm really grateful and thankful for our church for that. Um... Is that a ship coming in? <laughs> Could we get the house lights up just a touch? Is that all right? Could we just turn them up a fraction? Um, okay, so on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, did you notice the background on church news? The wooden kind of background. Did you like that? Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was involved in that. So I went to B&Q to pick that up. And I walked over to B&Q and we had this idea that we would put uh, laminate flooring on the wall as a, back, as a background, and I think it worked, I think it looked really, really well, so I'm, I'm in B&Q, and I, I'm the one who ended up going to buy it, so it's late on kind of Tuesday night or something like that, and I, I turned up at B&Q, and I'm looking along the, the aisle, and I'm looking at all the different laminate floorings, and I'm thinking, there's got, I know there's one in here that's going to work, that's going to do it, and then right at the very end of the aisle, there was the one, and, and it just happened to be the most expensive one. It always is, isn't it? So I'm looking at this, and, and then I'm FaceTiming Vicky, and I'm saying, what do you think? Do you think this is going to work? Do you think this is the one? And she's back in two, and she's saying, yep, that's it. That's great. That's the, that's the best one. It's exactly what we had in mind. So I'm like, okay, that's brilliant. So I'm chatting to the guy, and the guy's asking, what are we buying this for? We just ended up talking. It was kind of late. I suppose he's at the end of his shift. He was doing some stuff. I wasn't too sure what he was doing. And so we're chatting away and, and, and I'm explaining, well, we're doing it for a church. I wouldn't normally lead in with I'm a Christian church, all this kind of stuff when I first meet someone. But he asked me the question, what are you doing it for? And I certainly wasn't going to lie and, and, and make up a reason. So I explained and said we're doing it for a church. And anyone get that whole reaction of church where you just see like Vicar of Dibley goes through the mind? Yeah, you know, and, and, and pews and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I could see this was going through his mind. And, and so I just explained a few things about the church and stuff like that. And he started explaining about how he was lonely. He's a, he was a young lad. He was only like in his late 20s, which shocked me a little bit. I mean, it shouldn't do because I remember having a period in my 20s when I felt lonely. So I suppose it can happen at any point in life. And, and I, but it just, it just took me aback a little bit. Young lad, you know, he's got a job, he's working, and he's lonely. And so I'm just immediately leading with, well, mate, why don't you come along to church? Well, why don't you come along to our place? We've got loads of young people there. You get to know some people. I, I mean, am I the only... Maybe I'm not. I, I, I think to myself, lone, I know loneliness is a big issue in, in the world. 
Yeah, it's, it's a huge issue. We probably have people in our, in our community here who suffer with loneliness. I, I, I don't believe, though, that anyone needs to be lonely. I, I actually don't believe that. Uh, when just church alone provides a facility for us not to be lonely. We've got life groups and, and you name it and, and events going on. And if there's not, and, and this isn't meant to be part of the preach, by the way, but if there's something that, that you think should be done that's not happening, come and see us. Just don't come and see us and say, why don't you do that? Come and see us because what I'll probably say back or Vicky or whoever will say back to you is, oh, why don't you have a go at that? You know, and why don't you do it then? Off you go then. Go and start that off or go and crack on and do it and so on. Anyway. So I'm just kind of chatting with this guy, and, and, and it didn't go anywhere. He's, as far as I'm aware, he's not here this morning. Actually, he might be, because I've not looked around to see. But he, I don't know that it's gone anywhere and that he's gone to church or anything like that. I hope he does. I genuinely hope he does. But the point was that an opportunity arose, and I prayed. And, and, and I, I, I interested in my head, and then I took the opportunity. Should we say it together? Should we say it like we mean it? Come on, let's say this in faith. I am a child, is it up on the board? Uh, you, yeah, is it up yet? I am a child of God, so I am entitled to all the benefits that brings. Right now, I'm ready to listen to all that God has to say to me and to respond with faith, belief, and be changed by his word, amen. Come on. I don't believe in praying that people get saved. That might sound like an odd thing to say as the pastor of a church. Let me clarify and explain what I mean by that. I think there's two types of people came to mind when I was thinking about this. One type is that person that, that I, I know of a lot of people that have this person in mind that they want to become a Christian. It might be a partner, it might be a child, it might be a relative, neighbour, work colleague, whatever. And in their mind, in your mind, in my mind, we're like, that person needs to become a Christian. That person needs to become a Christian. Like if they would just become a Christian, all their problems would be sorted out and everything would be great for them. So I'm going to, but they don't but they don't want to be a Christian. They're like resistant to it. You've tried talking to them, you've tried inviting them to church, you've tried mentioning it to them, and they're just not interested. They don't believe in God, and they're basically saying, I don't want to believe in God, and I don't want to know anything about God, and I'm not interested. In that situation, I don't believe that, that prayer is the answer to sorting that situation out. And, and I specifically mean kind of like going, God, will you just change his mind? Will you just make him become a Christian? I don't believe that's the right thing to do. I don't believe God thinks that's the right thing to do. God does not force any of us to become a Christian. The love of my life is sat on the front row. In fact, the loves of my life. <laughs> no, it's not you, mate. Sorry. As much, I do love you, though, mate. I do. I feel it. Feel the love. I'm Wayne. I'm looking at Wayne as well because he's on the front row too. I have a lot of love for these guys. The love of my life is 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 Vicky. She is the love of my life, and then my children. And, and obviously God is, is right there at the sense of it, and he's the reason for it all, and he's the cause for it all. But imagine if I got up here, right, and I said to you that we're married and we're together, okay, but she doesn't really want to be with me. She doesn't like me. 
She doesn't love me. She's got no desire. She never wanted to get married to me. She didn't want to go out with me. She doesn't really want to spend time with me. But what I've done is I've forced her to. I've made her. I mean, does that sound odd to anyone? I mean, not only I would say, well, it's illegal, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. We're talking about something that's potentially illegal. But even outside of that, ethically, it's weird. It's odd. You would all be like, what kind of a weird control freak are you that you've got a woman that you're with that doesn't even like you and doesn't even want to be with you? And I believe there's a a, a similar analogy with God. I don't believe that God wants to force people to be Christians. I don't believe that's his heart. And I don't believe that the answer is us to pray and pray, God, just change their mind. Just break their free will. They don't want to, but God, you can make them. You can change that. You can sort that. Now, I am aware that, let, let me give you a little bit of personal testimony, actually. I didn't plan to do this. I'm ad-libbing a lot this morning. Um, be, when I was younger, many of you know, I've mentioned it before, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up a Christian, didn't believe in God, had no faith whatsoever. As far as I was concerned, it was all science and that was it. So I didn't want to become a Christian. I, I, you know, I thought Christians were idiots. Anyway, I had some experiences that I would say were God. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences. But I had some experiences that changed my mind. Okay, I do believe that's a good thing, and I do believe that's a good thing to pray for. Does that make sense? I just don't believe we should praying that God should be praying that God should change someone's mind and force them to become a Christian. I believe God can influence someone. I believe, in fact, me and Vicky, when we first saw each other, I believed I was a Christian by this point, and I believed that we were going to marry. I'm as strange as that sounds, right? I know that sounds odd, but and it's a long story. I won't go into it today. But I believed that we were going to marry, but I never told her that. I never said that to her. I never said to her, Vicky, we're going to get married. I know it, and so you should go out with me, and we should get married, and I've got a date sorted, and we're going to go and down the altar, and all that's going to happen, because yeah, that would have been odd and weird. And actually, in the end, she asked me out. I know, I know, but it's I'm a telling lies. Come on, I'm stood at the pulpit. I'm not telling lies. I'm, I'm telling the truth. You asked me out. That's, that's right, isn't it? Let's not have a spat. Isn't I've just told everyone you're the love of my life. Let's, let's, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've got the mic here, you know? You can talk when you've got the mic. <laughs> oh, and she will. Oh, she will. She absolutely will. I've lost my train of thought now. Um, so yeah, so I never, I never forced her to. I, I, I believed we were going to get married, but it just happened, and and I believed that God was in that. We're twenty years on. We've got five children. We have a wonderful marriage. We are in love. We text each other all the time. If we're not together, we're phoning each other. We're keeping in touch with each other. We are genuinely in love. I, I, I have, the, I have a great marriage. That's not that we don't have issues and arguments and all of that kind of stuff. That sometimes goes with it, but we love each other. We absolutely love each other. And I believe that God brought that about. I believe that he's in it and he's right in the core and at the center of our marriage. But God wants to have a relationship with everyone on earth. But he doesn't want to force them. He doesn't want to make them. That's not what he wants to do. That is not his heart. Ethically, it's wrong and, and, and for so many reasons. When we were um, early on in our marriage... 
and we'd, Sophie had been born by this point. She was just a baby, and there was a lady, she's, she's gone to be with the Lord now. Her name was Margaret, Tina will remember her well. And, and this lady, Margaret, she lived in Birmingham, and she, um, she kind of used to bless us a lot, right? She would uh, come up to the northwest, she'd stop with Tina, and Tina, uh, Tina did an awful lot with her. She was really very gracious with her. She was a lonely lady, I think, at that, I think it would be fair to say, at that point in her life. She was on her own, and Tina put out the hand of friendship to her. And, and Margaret took an interest in our family. I think she really appreciated Sophie as a, a baby, and she used to like to knit, and she used to knit us stuff. We were a young married couple. Knitting wasn't really our thing. But we were gracious with her and we just appreciated her and, and we showed her gratitude and, you know, and just some kindness and whatever. And, and we were just polite to this lady. You know, she would, sometimes we'd go for a meal together, wouldn't we, Tina? The, the, the five of us or six with the baby as well. And, and, you know, this lady just used to like to spend time with us and, and, and we just showed her appreciation and gratitude. Nothing great, not a, a big deal or anything like that. We were just polite, we were courteous and where we could show her, you know, do you, do you know, I'm going to say something now, and, and I, I've got to clarify what I mean by this because it could be misinterpreted. This lady, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, she bought us a car. We were in a situation at that point. I, I'd gone back to university for, for, for vocation and, and all of that stuff, and we, we weren't in a position where we could afford to, to get this car, and, and she, she didn't, we didn't ask her. We never said it to her or anything like that, and she came to us and said, I, I want to buy you a car. I think you've got this need, and it wasn't, an, we're not about an old banger. We're not about a flash new car or anything like that, but it was a, a nice, modest, lovely car, and, and she went and did this for us. I thought that was incredible. Now, let me clarify I am not saying that we should be nice to people so we can get nice things back from them all right that's really important that I clarify that but what I do want to talk about this morning what I want to focus on what I want to um yeah zoom in on is gratitude is gratitude I don't think it's maybe talked about perhaps as much as you would expect in a church context not specifically. We talk about it in a roundabout way, don't we? Because we praise and worship together. So half of our meeting is devoted to gratitude to God. Okay? But I think there's a place to actually specifically talk about the power and the importance of gratitude. Of being grateful. I'm not getting many amens or yeses or, hey, that sounds great, Barry. I agree with that. Anyone, anyone think this is a good thing? I, I, listen, I, I want to tell you, right, I think this is one of the most powerful concepts that you can have in your life is to be a grateful person. I, I was thinking about this lady, Margaret. We, we weren't kind and polite to her, and we never went over the top either. It wasn't like we were just buzzing around her and, and really going out of our way with this lady or anything like that. We just were polite. I, we probably weren't even much more than that with, with this lady. And, but I, I want you to imagine for a moment, imagine she went and, and, and did that thing and bought us that car, right? And we just shunned her. We just ignored her. We didn't give her the time of day. When she came up to the northwest and, and maybe said, hey, would you like to come out for a meal? You know, me and Tina were going out and we'd be like, no, no, not interested and never went. And we did, it's not like we went every single time she came up. There were times we said, no, we can't make it. 
commitments and all this kind of stuff. We were a young married couple. This was an older lady who liked to knit. We were a young married couple. I'm not being disrespectful, or, but she wasn't our, our cup of tea in one respect. It's not someone we'd have gone out of our way to go and find and seek and spend time with. We were in our early 20s. But this lady would come across our path, mainly through Tina, and we just showed some gratitude. But what would it have been like if we'd have just ignored this woman and been kind of horrible to her and been unkind to her and been like, why are you asking us to go out? Why would you knit? Why would I be interested in that? I'm a young lad. I'm not interested in knitting. In fact, stop knitting stuff for us. I don't care about stuff like that. I think that would have been cruel. I think that would have been horrible. In fact, I know this, right? I, I, I know that sometimes we get, we, listen, we can all be unkind to people, can't we? We've all done it at some point in our lives. We've all been, looked back and gone, do you know what? I was horrible to that person. I just didn't even show that person the time of day. Could have been a thing in the moment that you weren't thinking. It could have been someone that just came across your path. You know, the Bible says that we've entertained angels without even knowing. You, you, many of you will know that verse, yeah? I, I believe one of the reasons that verse is in there is as a warning. To say, be on your toes. Someone one day might come across your path and, and they might be an angel. And you might shun them and, and, and not give them the time of day and push them away. And you're pushing away an angel that could have come to bless you. Could have come to, to give you something that you couldn't imagine. I think that verse is there as a, as a warning to us, there to, to remind us of the importance of gratitude and the importance of keeping it at the forefront of our mind. In a few weeks, on the uh, 28th of September, we are going to start a new series the new series, we have come up with the title between us, the, the four of us got together, and we've come up, what on earth am I here for? That was what we agreed on, wasn't it? What on earth am I here for? Now, it's not meant to be the Alpha course, all right? We're not doing that. But we are going to zoom in on some of the reasons why we're here, some of the focuses of our life as a Christian. But there's another reason why we're doing this series as well, and that is because on the 28th of September, we're going to be mentioning this over the next few weeks, what we want to do is as a church, we want to have a week where we invite our friends, family, neighbours, colleagues, <clears throat> you name it, Anyone that, we, that doesn't come to church that you can invite. It might be someone that used to come to church that doesn't come anymore. Just throw out the hand of friendship. Just give them an invite. We're going to have cards printed for you so that you can have them in your hand and you can invite them to come along. It might be a neighbor or work colleague that you've kind of mentioned to before and you've kind of thought, you know, I'd love to invite them to church, but it's like it's difficult and you put it off because it's an awkward conversation. And you maybe don't want to do it. Well, we're going to give you flyers to help you. You can say, hey, our church are doing a, a series. You might be interested in it. It's really good. It's going to explain about why we're here on earth and what God says about it and what that's all about. You might want to come along to it and you might want to invite them. And, and we're going to talk in the next couple of weeks as well we're not just going to give you cards but we're going to talk and hopefully tell you about some ways and some ways of thinking for when you do that in other words put your yourself in the other person's shoes try and think what it would be like for them to come to church for the first time on their own 
how difficult it's going to be. If they've got a family, you can imagine what's going to happen, can't you? On the Sunday morning, they've kind of promised they're going to come, or maybe the late Saturday night, kids are ill. You get the phone call, sorry, can't make it. Anyone done that and had that last minute phone call? Yeah, can't make it, plenty of nods going on. Or maybe something happens and a work commitment comes up. Or maybe they are just so nervous about coming to church. Maybe it's because they think they're going to have to wear a certain style of clothes or, they're gonna not, or maybe they don't think they're not going to fit in or whatever it is that they just bottle it at the last minute and say, you know, make up an excuse, can't come, not feeling well, I was, I was really ill this morning and just can't make it, they throw a sickie and they don't come. We, we're going to try and help you, we're not going to force anyone, like I said right at the very beginning, I don't believe in, in making anyone become a Christian, I don't believe in making anyone come to church, the heart of our church is we want it to be a place where people love to be. Anyone on board with that? A place where people love to be. And if you're a Christian in this place, as I was driving in this morning, I was listening to worship and it's blasting down my ears. It's not good, young people. You, you don't want to blast music down your ears too much. You'll end up deaf. It's blasting down my ears and the words of the song are just my first and last, my everything, my saviour. And I'm just singing, singing my heart out. And I'm just thinking, you know, God, you are my everything. I, I've, I've sacrificed my entire life to you and, and to live in that life and I don't regret it. I don't regret it and I'd do it all over again and I'd sacrifice again daily. I'd recommit daily. In fact, there probably was a moment in that of recommitting again to God and saying, yeah, God, you know I have. I've sacrificed my life. I'm, I'm here. But you know what? In it, it wasn't just about the sacrifice. It was about how blessed I am, how, how amazingly phenomenal my life is because I know him. Because I have God in my life, my life is better. And, and there's something, I think it could sound weird to somebody because I think of my life as not being my own. I think of my life as, as being God's. He bought me back. He paid the price for me. My life was a mess. So I don't think of my life as being my own, right? Now, to some people, that would sound odd and weird. It would sound like we're in a cult. But I see that as a real safety thing. I see that as a real security thing. Because I look at it and I think to myself, well, if I belong to God, right? If I, my mobile phone, I look after it. I don't just throw it on the floor so it smashes because it's mine. So I look after it. So if I belong to God, then inherently he's looking after me. He's for me. Wherever I go, he's watching over me. He's tenderly caring for me, making sure that I'm okay. He's guiding me and leading me. He's, he's whispering in my ear and telling me things that I need to know. I see it as a positive. I don't see it as a, as a burden or as a chore or anything like that. The positive is this, gratitude brings a blessing, but genuine gratitude, 
Not gratitude because, well, okay, if I throw a prayer up or if I you know, show a bit of appreciation or if I turn up to church every Sunday, then that's a bit of gratitude. So, so God will look after me and I'll be okay and I won't go to heaven or anything like that. No, no, no. Genuine gratitude. There's a flow to it. The power of gratitude comes from when it is genuine. The more genuine it is, the more power there is to it. The more genuine it becomes because the more grateful you are because more blessings come with it. And then it becomes more genuine and then it becomes more powerful and it just gets greater and greater and bigger and bigger in your life. Gratitude is incredible. Have you ever done something for someone? Uh, I was talking about that lady and giving an example from my point of view. But have you ever done something for someone and then they just show no gratitude, shunned you, slapped you in the face? Do you name it? And, and what is that feeling like? It's, it's horrible, isn't it? Absolutely, we don't want to be that person, do we? We don't want to be that person. There's a flow to genuine, genuine gratitude. And I believe that it is gratitude and that gratefulness to God for what he's done that keeps our faith genuine, that keeps us going, that keeps us in the church, that keeps us in relationship with God and it makes us stronger. It makes us stronger. And if we can somehow get that difficult concept across to people who don't know God yet or who may be considering, is God real? Is, is there a reason for being a Christian? Should I? Should I not? Is this the way? Is this the one? If we can explain that difficult concept that it's not just about kind of just worshipping some God who's just up there, I want you all to worship me. But no, it's a genuine gratefulness for all that he's done. Because it's wrong not to be. Because it's wrong not to be. The power of God. I, I, I want to give you some tools this week. And uh, just, just a couple of, of, of things to think about, to focus on maybe in the next coming week. And very, very simple tools, but they're all based around gratitude. They're all based around gratitude. The first one is, is, is a concept that gratitude fits into so, so well. And it is about what you focus on. What your mind is taken up with. Every successful person, every person that's, that's achieving a level of success in their life, that doesn't mean riches or anything like that. That just means that the, 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 doing, the, the feeling like they're doing something productive with their life, they're at peace, they're being productive. Every successful person understands the power of focus. The, the innate power of focus. We had a, a small meeting for leaders a few weeks ago, and I was talking about this, and we, I, I was using the, the uh, metaphor, the analogy, if you like, of, a, of the sun. If you think about it, if we went outside now, the sun's shining. If we opened the curtains, the sun would shine in here, and that would be fine, and it would warm the room up quite nicely. But if we took a magnifying glass, 
and we took the sun's rays and we focused them on a point. Any, any lads done this when you were lads? Yeah, we've all done it, haven't we? You get the old magnifying glass, although probably not nowadays. I don't, I don't reckon it's done anymore. Yeah, because yeah, who has magnifying glasses anymore? But you get a magnifying glass and someone tells you that you can start a fire with it. And, and like when you're a young lad, fire, it's like, wow, fire, you can start a fire, that sounds so great. Don't, don't do this at home, okay? I'm not saying it's good to start fires, it's dangerous, don't do this at home. But the idea, you know, you get a magnifying glass, you get a bit of paper, and wow, and it does it, you see the smoke starts up here, and then it sets fire. It's the power of focus. You're focusing the sun's rays. And what you focus on, Proverbs 23, 7 says this, that as a man thinketh, so he is. As you think in your mind, so you are. This concept is, is incredible. It, it, it is incredible, right? And I'm not sure we, we all truly get this concept completely Certainly, those of us that do, I don't think we put it into practice enough. I get this concept. I'm talking about it a lot, and I don't put it into practice enough in my life. I still have the times when my thoughts get away with me, and then I have to get a grip of them and go, no, stop thinking like that. I was reading a book by another Christian this last week, and he said this. He said, and and he's not the first person to say this. I've heard other people say this before. Never, ever, 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 ever see yourself as failing, no matter. No matter how bad the situation is, no matter what where you're at, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how bad it is. Do not allow your mind to see yourself as failing. Because as a man thinketh, so he is. As you think, the confession of your mouth, the, those thoughts become your language. And that language God hears, are, we are creative people. The things we speak out, we speak into existence. The Bible tells us that. So as you start to think these things, it changes your mind. It changes your brain. It changes how you respond to situations. There's, there's not just there's a practical reason for it but there's a faith reason for it there's a miraculous angle and concept about this that is miraculous because what happens is you see it's not just that your outlook changes I can understand this concept from the fact that your outlook changes so you're more positive so kind of good things happen and you can understand that can't you who wants to be around someone who's moaning and complaining all the time who wants to do business with someone who's moaning and complaining all the time who wants to do business with someone who's negative negative and they say, yeah, my business is failing, the economy's no good and all of this kind of stuff. So I can understand how being positive would naturally bring about like an attraction. But here's the thing, it's not just that. Because I've seen it in my life and I know other people have seen it in their life that it brings along miracles as well. They just happen. Good things come along at the right time. And it's the power of focusing. It's focusing on what you can control and what you are not focusing on what you can't control. And this is all revolves around gratitude. It all revolves around gratitude. Because when you understand it and you realize it, that actually life, we are not meant to be in control of everything. Who is? Who here is in control of everything that's going on in your life? There are events that could happen in your life that could transform your life like that. You could walk out of this room and your life could be transformed 
like that in a heartbeat, completely out of your control, something that you have no power over, anything like that. We are all in that situation. There's a famous story in the Bible and, and Jesus says to a, 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 a man, a rich man, he says, you fool, he's, he's storing up treasures for him and everything. He says, you fool, do you not realize tonight your life is going to be demanded of you? And he's plotting and planning for the future. And Jesus is like, you don't realize tonight, this very night, your life ends. This very night. Not just on about your life ending, could be a life-changing event, it could be a disaster, financial, who knows, could be anything. It could happen in a moment. You have no control over that. So what do you do? Worry about it. Now what if this happens? What if that happens? Focus on it. Here's the thing, right? Gratitude is humility because you can't be grateful if you're pride if you're proud can you if you're grateful then you're humble and if you're humble you understand that we're not in control of everything now don't get me wrong i'm not about passivity here of just going oh well there's nothing i can do about this situation there's always things that we can do in the situation but what we need to do is we need to pray and ask god and say god what is our part what is it that we need to do in this situation what's my part to play in this and what is your part and i'm going to leave your part to you and i'm going to be grateful to that and my part i'm going to focus on that and i'm going to give all my strength to doing that and i'm going to trust you in a in an attitude of gratefulness that you're going to do what only you can do. And I'm not going to worry because I'm grateful. Because I know who you are. Because I know that you love me. I know that you're for me. I know that I am yours. So I know that everything is going to be okay. Sounds mad, doesn't it? This idea that just by focusing on, on, on gratitude... Just by focusing on, on the good things of life. Just by being in faith that we can change things. Sounds like madness, doesn't it? It's like utter madness. But the madness is that some people don't do this because they think that's too easy. Life's meant to be hard, isn't it? Isn't it? Life's meant to be hard. You've heard that. Life's meant to be difficult. It's tough. Challenges, it's hard, it's difficult. You know, if you're a Christian in this place and you think life's meant to be hard, how does that reconcile with salvation? If you understand salvation, I'm going to end with this really. Maybe the band would get up. If you understand salvation, It's that we can't put right all the things that we've done. I can't fix them. I can't sort them out. I can't go back in time and change the mistakes that I've made. No one can. So we have a huge debt to repay. Even the best of us, we've got a massive debt to repay. And the, 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 the message of the Bible is this, that there's, there's lots of messages in the Bible, but the core, the most important one 
is this, that all those things you've done, all those things that you're going to do, I've paid the price. I've fixed them all for you. I've paid the price. And it's free. No cost. Bible says it's, it, it, it's, it, it's that simple. It confounds the wise. It blows their mind. They, they struggle to believe it because it's so simple. Because it's so basic, they go, don't be stupid. How can it be as easy as that? Life's meant to be hard. I've got to sort this out. I've got to fix it. I've got to put it right myself. And God's like, no. I've done it all for you. It's free. All you've got to do is believe. Do you know, there's, there's so much I want to say to you. There's so much that we could talk about, uh, uh, about these things. I don't want to take this meeting too long, but just focus on the power of gratitude. Just think again about gratefulness and its marriage with humility. The Bible says that we should be grateful people, that we should have a grateful heart, not just to God, but to each other. That we should focus on the good things, Paul said in Philippians. Philippians 4, 6. Paul says this. Preached on this a few weeks ago. He says, your prayers, when you've got a situation, he, he preambles this with, about being anxious and worrying about things. And he, he says, don't worry about stuff. He says, just pray about it. But he says, pray in a specific way. He says, pray with gratitude. Pray with gratitude. How do you pray with gratitude? How do you do that? When you're asking for something that, in one sense, how do you know you're going to get it? Praying with gratitude is faith. Gratitude to God. Humility towards God. Genuine, genuine gratefulness that appreciates God, appreciates life and all that he's done for us. And whilst we could never give back, whilst we could, if we, if we spent every moment of our lives serving him and we did our very, very best, we could never give back to him for all he's done for us. But gratitude says, God, I just want to do my best. I just want to do my best. Help me. Amen? Amen. Bless you.